Imagine Jerusalem 2,000 years ago on a sunny, clear morning. Have you that in mind? Let's pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and hear from your word. We do pray for the youth at a youth camp as they also celebrate Good Friday and pray that you will open their eyes and their hearts to see of the cost and the glory of Jesus and we pray that prayer for ourselves that you may open our eyes to see the cost and the glory of your dear son through Jesus name amen so darkness crept over the city it was merely a shadow at first most people who noticed it thought it was just a cloud going across the sun but then the gloom grew deeper and deeper And people started to look up at the sky, and there wasn't a cloud in the sky, and yet it was getting darker and darker. What's happening? Why the gloom? It's only nine o'clock in the morning. One by one, the birds stopped singing and started to roost. Uh, Those inside started to trim and light very simple lamps. The ancient city of Jerusalem was being covered in darkness. Who'd ever heard of such a thing? Not the Roman soldiers gathered around three criminals crucified on the outskirts of the city, nor their company back in the barracks, nor had Pilate and his wife in the, in the palace, nor the busy Roman officials that were going about their normal tasks. No one had heard of such a thing, of darkness settling on the land in the morning like this. However, the people of Jerusalem had... The Jews were now oppressed by Roman rule, but they remember back to another time when they were oppressed not by Caesar, but by Pharaoh. And it was a time when God raised up the greatest of all great prophets, Moses. Moses, who confronted Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh thundered, no, but God would not be mocked. And he sent plagues. He sent plagues of blood and locusts and boils and gnats and darkness and darkness thick darkness covered the land of Egypt and those people those Jews in Jerusalem remembered that story and remembered that darkness led to their freedom to God saving them and leading them into the promised land and a few Jewish folk on that day dared to believe that God was doing it again that this darkness meant that he was about to bring them great freedom And so a few brave Jews fell to their knees and prayed that God would set them free. And others, they remembered back to the prophet Amos. And Amos 8 uh, verse 9 says this, In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, in that day I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. Amos prophesied that there would be a day that would go black that would go dark in broad daylight. And what was that day? What was the day that Amos and the prophets talked about? It was the day of the Lord, the day all Israel longed for, the day when the Messiah would come. And so some in that city thought of Amos and God sending darkness before he would send the Messiah. And so they fell on their knees and prayed. Some brave souls prayed that the Messiah would come. And it just wasn't within the walls of the city that was black that morning. No, 
It was black outside the city, in particular the darkest blackness was reserved for that hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And the air was thick. You could taste the darkness. There was barely enough light to see three criminals hanging from three crosses. Barely enough light to see the one in the middle that some called King of the Jews. And you see, no one outside the city and no one inside the city knew that the darkness was because of him, the one they called the King of the Jews. For here hung the very Son of God, he who since before creation had only known unbroken fellowship with his heavenly Father. It was him, it was he, that that reason was that it was going dark. He who, with his Father, had established the heavens and the earth out of nothing. He was hanging on the cross, and it was because of him that the land went black. For though he formed humankind, we rebelled. We rebelled against the Creator and his word, and so Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden and cast out of fellowship with their father and cast into spiritual darkness. But this did not spell the end, for when the time was right, the Son was sent in the form of a man to bring humanity hope in the darkness. And now here on that first Good Friday, some 33 years since the Son of God first arrived as a baby, at the will of the Father, the Son accepted the shame and the agony of the crucifixion. Christ became a curse. He took our curse on himself, his, our sins, on the darkest of dark days. In, the, in that darkness, while some prayed in Jerusalem for freedom and others prayed that God's kingdom would come, the Son of God was paying the price. He was paying the price for our freedom. He was paying the price for the day of the Lord, the coming of the kingdom of God. It was a price horrible and unthinkable, full of agony and pain. And though it was the cruelest of physical deaths, the most painful thing was Jesus was separated from his heavenly Father. Our sin was so bad, so twisted, so wicked, that that was the price that Jesus had to pay, severing his communion with the one he loved most. And this is why we read in Mark 15, At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's the cry of a, a broken heart, a cry enduring anguish that we have never seen before or never see again. However, this was not a cry without hope. And you say, where is there hope in this cry of dereliction? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, not only is this the agonizing words of the living God being separated from his Father, but it is also the first words of Psalm 22. And over the ages, the church has recognized that when Jesus said these words on the cross, he was referring to Psalm 22, the whole of Psalm 22. Uh, in those days, there was a rabbinic technique, a technique by rabbis, where they would quote the first line of the psalm, and their disciples, their followers, would know that the, uh, that the rabbi was referring to the whole psalm. We say, let's turn to Psalm 22, 
In those days, the rabbi would say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the disciples would know that he was referring to Psalm 22. And so Psalm 22 was on the heart and the mind of Jesus while he was on the cross. The whole psalm, not just the first tragic words, not just the words of despair, of which there are many in Psalm 22, but also the words of hope. So let's uh, have a look at some of those words of hope. First of all, we see this uh, in verse 6. But I am scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. And then we have verse 16. A band of evil men hath encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Isn't it outstanding that these words were written about a thousand years before Jesus was crucified on the cross? And doesn't Psalm 22 describe accurately the physical pain and what happened, the events that happened that day, a thousand years after this psalm was written? Amazing. And, and Jesus knew that. Can you imagine how Jesus felt when he knew these words and he saw those soldiers dividing his clothes by casting lots? And he had this psalm and these words on his lips. And so, we ask, has the Son of God really been abandoned by his heavenly Father? Has the Father left his only Son? And this is why understanding that Jesus had the whole of Psalm 22 on his mind and not just the first line helps us. Because Jesus was also aware not only of the words of despair, but the words of great hope. So let's consider the words in Psalm 22 that point to hope. And first of all, we have this, this cry from Jesus. Oh, my strength, the psalm says. Come quickly to help me. Deliver my life. Rescue me. So these words would have been in Jesus' mind when he was on the cross. As well as the great hope in verse 23. In verse 23, we read this. You who fear the Lord, praise him. For he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. So Jesus on the cross knew that he had been abandoned by his father, but it would not be forever. In the next part of verse 24, He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. And so when Christ cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verse 24 tells us that he knew that his heavenly father was hearing that cry. Yes, Jesus declares from the cross, for he has not despised or disdained me, as he quotes Psalm 22. And though bearing the punishment for our sins, yours and mine, Jesus knew that he would soon declare, God has not hidden his face from me, but has listened to my cry from hope. 
And this is not to minimise the pain and the agony and the separation of the cross. It was extreme. However, Jesus still had the hope that Psalm 22 declares. For we see in verse 27, uh, one of the big hopes of this psalm, verse 27, all the ends of the earth will remember. They will remember that dark day that Jesus was on the cross. They will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families and all the nations. And we are a fulfilment of that prophecy, aren't we? Because here we are remembering today what Jesus did on the cross for us. And I would imagine uh, not many, if any, of us come from a Jewish heritage. We are from the other nations. And yet here we are gladly declaring that Jesus died for our sins and it was not in vain. And finally, the psalm uh, finishes with these words, <clears throat> verse 30, 31. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. For he has done it. And that's how Psalm 22 ends. For he has done it. The cross was not in vain, but led to the glorious resurrection on Easter Sunday. But that is for us to celebrate in a couple of days' time. For now, let us finish this reflection with the final words we have in the Gospel of Mark of Jesus Christ. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how can our hearts not be moved as we reflect on all that Christ gave up so that we could be brought into your family as dearly loved daughters and sons? And so we thank you. We thank you for the agony of the cross. But we also thank you that the cross always had the sure and certain hope of the resurrection and the bringing of many people into your kingdom. And so, Lord, as we come to communion, as we pause and reflect on the body broken and the blood poured out, we pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to transform and make Jesus more alive to our hearts and mind. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.